I hope you brought your Bibles. If you would find them, open it to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. As I preach a message that God has placed on my heart called the mandate of forgiveness. You know, one of the things that all of us have here in common today is that is it simply this, we have all been hurt. Someone has wronged us, someone has let us down, someone has disappointed us, someone has uh, uh, insulted us, someone has abused us, someone has neglected us, someone has taken advantage of us. And all of these life experiences can lead to some deep-seated feelings that result in bitterness, anger, and resentment. And indeed, if we fail to forgive those who victimize us, it's you and I that can suffer deeply. I remember hearing a minister say one time, as he first started his ministry, he believed that about 50% of his problems were related to unforgiveness. After 10 years of service, he said, you know, he believed it was more like 75% of the problems he dealt with was relative to unforgiveness. But 25 years in the ministry, he said, no, let me state this again. It's about 90% of the problems that I deal with relates to people being unwilling to forgive. With that being said, it's no, not surprising at all that the Bible has much to say about forgiveness, our need to be forgiven, and certainly in turn, our willingness to be forgiving of other people. Truth is, forgiveness is the quintessential truth of the Bible. We all need God's forgiveness, and it's the very reason that the incarnation happened, that God in his love condescended down in the person of Jesus Christ to pardon our offenses. And with that grace, he expects us to do the same, to be givers of grace and forgiveness. Aren't you glad that Jesus came on a mission of mercy? We see it woven, at, woven throughout the fabric of the New Testament. I think about the truth in, that's recorded in John chapter 8 with the lady caught in adultery. And, and Jesus shows up as they're about to stone her and says, uh, He who's without sin, just cast the first stone. And they begin to walk away, beginning with the oldest. He was talking to them about forgiveness. We see it in Mark chapter 2 when the friends brought their crippled friend to Jesus and lowered him through the roof. But before Jesus would heal his body, you remember what he said? Thy sins are forgiven. But there's nothing more epic in all the Bible than when Jesus Christ was hung, suspended between heaven and earth. And he would cry from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So this morning I want to preach this familiar parable, the critical nature of forgiveness. Jesus loved teaching. He loved teaching more specifically using stories or parables. He often told these parables and they had a riveting truth, a powerful principle that is found in the narrative of the story that he was conveying. So I want to read this today. I'm going to ask you to stand once again in honor of reading God's Word. We've been up and down a lot today, amen? Some of you need some exercise, so that's a good thing. I'll let you sit down during the preaching, but please stand in honor of reading God's Word. Beginning in verse 21, Then Peter came to him, come to Jesus, and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seventy times, seven 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment be made. But the servant fell down before him and said, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and he forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him, took hold of his throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went out and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that what he had done, they were grieved, and they came, and they told the master all that he had done. And then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not as well have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he could pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Father in heaven, give us forgiving hearts. Help us to see once again as we look at this familiar passage of Scripture that you have forgiven us all the iniquities, all the hurts, all of the, the shame of our life, the things we've done, the places we've been and shouldn't have been, and all of the, uh, of the unforgiveness in our own life. God, help us today to do what's expected of us. Not only be receivers of this wonderful grace that we know in Christ our Lord, but help us to be forgiving people as well as you have forgiven us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, three quick things you're going to want to see in this text of Scripture. Beginning first, what I'm calling the exhortation to forgive. We have a lot of parables recorded in Luke's gospel. Uniquely, this one is mentioned in Matthew's gospel alone. And in context, we learn that Jesus is teaching about mending broken relationships. In the preceding verses, Jesus gives an outline how to heal a broken relationship when a brother, hear me today, has sinned against you. He said, go to that person alone. And then if he refuses to listen to you, then take someone with you. Uh, and then if this cannot be resolved with you too, then take it to the church and there's no resolution there, then the perpetrator should be removed from the fellowship of the church. Now, most of us who are well acquainted with the scriptures know that this is kind of the proof text on church discipline. But here's what I want you to see with me this morning. The emphasis is not on how do you kick somebody out of your church, but here's the emphasis. How can we recapture or restore a brother who has fallen into sin and needs forgiveness? Because Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 18 the, the, the truth of forgiveness. The reason Peter asked Jesus the limits of forgiveness was that very reason. How many times should a person forgive? And Peter said seven times before Jesus could even answer him. I, I mean, honestly, Peter, from his perspective, he was certainly giving a gracious, even a magnanimous response. After all, the rabbinical teachings were that we were be to get for, for giving three times, up to three times. So Peter thought, surely this would impress Jesus. 
He's going to say seven times. But Jesus surprised him as he said, no, not seven times, but seven times, 70. And he certainly wasn't say, Peter, you do the math. You've got to be forgiving 490 times. But here's what he was saying. This needs to be our practice. This is what we do. We've touched the, the reality of forgiveness in our life, and we're to be forgiving people as well. It's to be our perpetual practice. But sometimes forgiveness is simply that not that easy, is it? We all kind of live, have lived by the motto, I don't get mad, what? I get even, sure. But here's what I'm telling you today. Forgiveness doesn't look to get even. It seeks to bury the hatchet, to cancel the debt, to dismiss the offense. And I'm simply telling you today from this text of Scripture, forgiveness needs to be part and parcel of our life as believers in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it's so important. Jesus said, whatever measure you're willing to forgive, that'll be the measure I'm willing to forgive you as well. So since we've been forgiven, the grace and mercy of God's been poured out in our life, then we ought to be forgiving people. What did Jesus say? Freely, freely you've received. Freely, freely you are to give. And when you and I enter a relationship with God, can I tell you, it's through the narrow gate of forgiveness offered by Jesus Christ. And we cannot have a relationship with God without being forgiven. I love the verse in Acts 3.19. It says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Then times of refreshing will come from the Lord. So it's not surprising we see this topic mentioned time and again in the Bible. But really the question that's, that's for you this morning is this, are you a forgiving person? Or are you here today and maybe you're that very person in need of forgiveness? I'm asking you, don't be the kind of person, don't be the man or woman who carries a grudge, who won't let go, who won't forgive. Can I assure you the one that harbors unforgiveness in their heart is the one who suffers. Forgiveness will set you free and unforgiveness will cause you pain, anxiety, and it will always eat at your soul. You see, unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in the jail cell of bitterness. And you end up paying the consequences for someone else's wrongdoing. I wonder, am I speaking to you today? In his book, Forgive and Forget, Lewis Meads wrote this profound word about forgiveness. He said, when you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut out a malignant tumor out of your inner life. You set a prisoner free, but you discovered that the real prisoner was you yourself. There's an exhortation in the Word of God that we're to be forgiving people. Now let's look at an example of forgiveness because this is indeed what's going on in this story. So to illustrate this need of forgiveness, Jesus tells a story. He tells a parable. And what you and I know in our simplest definition of a parable, it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now parables are not like allegories. As you well know, allegories have a multitude of truths that can be applied. The difference is parables have one significant truth, one meaningful truth that is plain and pointed. And this one is very clear. Jesus is teaching this main point about forgiveness. Forgiveness by definition is the act of setting one free from an obligation to you that has come as a result of something wrong done against you. 
But forgiveness is not our natural response. No, we live by what really it was an Old Testament law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth of not letting go. And there is something I believe inherent with you and you and in me is that we want to retaliate. We want to get even. We want to be revengeful. But here's what I'm telling you today, and you know it to be so as well. Revenge promises so much, but it delivers so little. You think if you get even with that person who has wronged you, that suddenly you're going to feel better, but it never works that way. Because forgiveness is the way out of deep-seated hurt, anger towards others. This story is outrageous about the person being forgiven of this debt that's made mention. 10,000 talents. You know how much that is in modern-day money? It's over $20 million. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you'd get indebted to that, that person for $20 million, but Jesus is making an emphatic point here. And so he's simply saying that this man owed a huge debt, not unlike all of us. He pleaded for forgiveness, and the gracious master had pity on him. He canceled the obligation. He set him free, and what did the man immediately do? He goes to find someone who owes him 100 denarii, a hundred denarii, a little over 20 bucks. And how does he behave? Well, he begins to assault the guy, throws him in prison. Word gets back then to the master what has gone on. And then he has him incarcerated till he could pay the debt, which is obviously never going to happen. But here's the point, of course. If you don't forgive as you've been forgiven, guess what? There seems to be consequences that are attached. In other words, God, our Master, our Savior, our Lord, forgave us of our sins, all of our carnal acts, all of our hatred, all of our bitterness, all of our deception, all of the grievous iniquities of our life, all the unmentionable things that none of us want dredged up, and He forgave us. But with that comes responsibility, and that is that we would show as well to that person who owes us 20 bucks, who owes us a little compared to what Christ has done in our life, that we could offer them forgiveness as well. It was Alexander Pope on an essay he wrote on criticism to say this, you're familiar with this. To err is human, but to forgive is divine. How true it is. To be willing to forgive those who have wronged us, it takes God's help. It takes His grace. It takes His mercy. It takes this being lived out in our lives. It takes His unconditional love that can win out over our vengeful nature what did Jesus teach in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the merciful, for they're the ones who will receive mercy. Forgiveness is the giving of mercy to someone, just as Jesus gave his mercy to you. And if you want this ongoing forgiveness that God's provided in Jesus Christ, it seems the Bible teaches you've got to be willing to forgive. I know some of you remember what happened with Pope John Paul II back in the mid-'80s. He was shot four times by Muhammad Aliaka from Turkey, but the Pope would survive the attack. He was hospitalized for some, uh, some weeks, but he finally got out of the hospital to go to the prison cell where Muhammad Aliaka was staying. 
And there he reached out his hand to him to simply say this, I've already forgiven you. It's a big deal. It was the cover story of Time magazine as the Pope would reach out his hand in forgiveness. I'm telling you, there is an exhortation for us to forgive. We see an example of forgiveness. I'm closing with this, though, and that is this expectation for all of us to be forgiving people. Because as I said, this parable has one remarkable truth that's riveting, that's, that's straightforward, that's simplistic, and, and it's this. We, we, we've got to be forgiving. Since God has offered us the hope and healing of forgiveness, we need to be willing to do the same. I remember reading a book uh, sometime back by Charles Stanley entitled The Gift of Forgiveness. And he says that forgiveness has three elements. There's an injury, there's a debt resulting from that injury, and then forgiveness is the cancellation of that debt. And all three of these are essential if forgiveness is going to happen. So you're, you're not going to be surprised that I've alliterated these three helps to put into practice today to help you to be a forgiving person, even a means of evaluation if, you're moving, if you'll move towards forgiveness. Listen, it begins under A, to remember, to remember. See, forgiveness is not denial. Forgiveness acknowledges there's been an offense, what, what Dr. Stanley called an injury. In other words, someone has hurt you. And forgiveness doesn't say, well, it doesn't matter, or, or maybe I had it coming, or, or placing the blame on yourself for someone else's bad behavior. No, it starts with an honest remembrance of the reality that I've been hurt, I've been insulted, I've been bullied, I've been humiliated, I may have been molested, whatever it is, maybe simply ignored. But even though I've been hurt and I acknowledge and I remember how painful it's been. I'm willing and choosing to forgive, to extend some mercy. And listen to me today. I'm willing to treat this person better than they deserve. As long as you say they don't deserve it, guess what? You'll never get it right. It starts in remembering. Secondly, it's relinquish. This means that you're willing to let it go. That first you acknowledge that this person owes you something because of this injurious and hateful, this mean-spirited act, but you volitionally are letting it go. You're willing to cancel the debt. This person will owe you nothing going forward because you're saying that whatever it was they owed you, ever how much they owed you, you're going to write forgiven above it. You're going to mark their account to you paid in full. Because it's under the blood, it's forgiven. And you cannot be despising towards them any longer. You know why? Because they don't owe you anything. And if you can let it go, you're well on your way to forgiving. You cancel their indebtedness to you. Listen, if you choose the route of retaliation, of revenge, or even if you refuse to forgive... Can I assure you, it's only you that will suffer. Do yourself a favor. Do what's expected of you as a believer in Jesus Christ and be forgiving. Relinquish it. Let it go. Mary and I came to Kansas City back in January of 1990 from Oklahoma, which is our home, as most of you are aware. But there was a horrible murder took place 
in the early part of 1990 in Oklahoma, actually in Noble County in, uh, in north central Oklahoma. It seems a man by the name of Robert Knighton, who had escaped a halfway house in Missouri, killed two people, Richard and Virginia Denny. They had stopped to help him, and he murdered them. The Denny's daughter, whose name is Sue Norton, remembers the phone call from her brother telling her that her parents had been tragically murdered. And Sue would go to the trial of Robert Knighton. She said her feelings were one of confusion, of being troubled, of being grieved deeply. And she wanted the peace of God in her life. How can I possibly be peaceful moving forward? God would eventually grant her that peace because she went to visit Knighton in a prison cell in McAllister, Oklahoma. And she shared with him about God's unconditional love that she had experienced in her life and was available to him. It wasn't just a one-time visit. She would drive over many times, reinforcing her willingness to forgive and how God would forgive him as well. And as you would expect... Pretty soon, the Spirit broke through and he gave his heart to Christ. Fourteen years later, he would be executed. And at that uh, execution, 2004, Robert Knighton would have no one, no family member, no friend to be with him in his death except one person, and that would be Sue Norton. Someone not only who had told him about Jesus, but had showed him the mercy and grace that only the God she told him about could give we remember we've got to let it go we got to relinquish and then the third thing is let's seek to restore by that I'm talking about taking the initiative with the person to let them know that you've been forgiven that you have forgiven them I should say I mean much like the illustrations I used with Sue Norton and Pope John Paul II it doesn't have to be face-to-face. I don't think that that's always necessary. Maybe, maybe there's been a rift between you and someone else, and, and maybe the better way for that to happen is you just write them a note and say, man, I'm bearing our differences. I don't want you to hold anything against me, and I don't hold anything against you. Let's just move forward by the grace of God. Whatever you could do, ever how you need to communicate it, that's certainly up to you. Just let them know you're moving on. And that you, that you love them and want the relationship restored. Let, let me say this. You cannot allow your forgiveness to be contingent upon their response. It may be favorable. It may not be favorable. They may respond the way you want them to respond, but they may not as well. But here's the deal. You're doing what you need to do, and that's all we can do in any context. And we're called to be ministers. Listen to me today of God's reconciliation. First, he's reconciling. We've been reconciled through Christ our Lord to a relationship with the true and living God. But as receivers of this reconciliation, guess what? We're to seek to reconcile one with another. Hopefully, you will soon feel better about that relationship. But feelings may not come for a while. And here's what I know. You may act your way into different feelings, but you will never feel your way into different behavior. 
When you choose to do what's right, guess what? Those feelings can follow. But if you're waiting till you feel like forgiving this person, you'll never do it. Don't let your feelings jerk you around. You choose to do what's right. You take the high road. And you know what the high road is? It's what Jesus is teaching here. To be willing to forgive. And here's what I'm telling you. Forgiveness cannot change the past. But it can change your future. And you can have a better day in a better way. Living your life. Not only experience the forgiveness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But for you to be giving it away as well. Man, I, I hope that you're a forgiving person. I want to be, I've been hurt. You've been hurt. Somebody's hurt us. But I'm telling you, by the grace of God, we can be people who demonstrate the love and forgiveness of Christ our Lord. Let's not miss that window. Let's not miss that opportunity. Would you bow your heads with me today? What a great day of celebrating the freedom we enjoy in our country and the freedom that we enjoy in Christ our Lord. And you know what that freedom's about? It's the freedom to do what's right, not to misbehave, but to do what God calls us to do. And this morning, I'm simply telling you part and parcel of that is that you will be forgiving. Maybe there's someone God's brought to mind during this message. I pray that you would handle it in a right and a God-honoring way. But I'll tell you who I'm concerned about more even than how you work that out in your life. Is those who may be here today and there's still an emptiness in your soul because you have not even been forgiven by the true and living God who has given you his love. But God demonstrated his love toward us. And it, while we were yet in rebellion against him, Jesus Christ, his son, went to the cross for our forgiveness. Today, why don't you accept God's gift? Maybe the reason you can't be forgiving towards someone is because you've never received the forgiveness that's available in Christ. Wouldn't this be a wonderful day to get your heart right with the true and living God? Your willingness to turn from sin, repent of those sins, accept the mercy and the grace of the bloodshed on Calvary that has set you free from the wages of your sin to live in the grace of our God. Father, now as we sing this hymn of invitation and we seek to make appeal today that we all would be changed into the likeness of Christ, that you would give us the grace, the mercy to forgive others. Help us not to harbor unforgiveness. Help us not to nurse it. Help us not to spread it, that poison to other people. Help us to deal with it individually and, and in a right, godly way. Now, as we extend our invitation, I pray if there's any here that know you're not in the free pardon of sin, this would be their day of divine appointment, that they would hear the voice of the Savior calling them, come.
Come all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and me you'll find rest for your soul. My yoke will be easy, my burden will be light. He says, come you blessed of my Father, inherit a kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. Thank you that you're a God who, who extends your grace and arms of love and invites us to come. And today I pray some would come. So, Lord, we're dependent upon you. We can preach, we can give the outward call, but only you can save. So, Holy Spirit of God, may this be the time, the moment, the hour, there would be conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the mercy of our Lord Jesus would be extended to those who are in need. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. David's going to lead us in this invitation hymn. We have the staff here at the front waiting to pray with you. Going to ask you to come. We're not going to be here long. This invitation won't last long. So we're going to ask you to come on the first verse while we sing. God calls. You come while we sing. I then shall live as one who's Your power name. 
to God. Man, what a wonderful invitation here. David, thank you very much for choosing the right music to conclude this message. I, I hope that your heart is right with God today. We're glad that you're here. As you exit today, tell somebody you love them. Bless them on the way out. Let's bless one another as we leave. God bless you for being here.